Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. So on this week's Red Agenda Extra, we're going to take a look at the mad ride that saw Liverpool clinch a 19th league title after a 30-year wait. The story of the 2019-20 season is going to seem absolutely crazy in years to come. A season interrupted by a pandemic, managing a team that were presented the trophy in an empty Anfield and supporters that never got that personal celebration with the players that made their dreams come true. My guests this week are Neil Atkinson and Michael McCambridge, who've penned the story of the campaign from either side of the Atlantic, believe it or not. Welcome, gents. Uh, Neil, first of all, explain why both sides of the Atlantic. It was brought to us as an idea by Chris Walsh, who has written for a number of things through his career, and uh, he was working on something for, for Reach at the time. And he gave me a shout and he said, we'd like you to come and do something with us. We'd like it to be different and we'd like it to be uh, sort of a, an exchange of ideas and views over the course of a season with someone who doesn't live in Liverpool or lives somewhere else. And then he said, so one, do you want to do that? And two, do you know anybody? <laughs> uh, my answer to one was yes. And my answer to two was, well, there's this really good American author called Michael McCambridge who's been over and I've met and I, I, I talk to on a regular basis. He might be interested, but he might also be expensive. And it transpired he wasn't. <laughs> that was perfect. So let's head over to Austin, Texas. And we've got Michael in absolute clarity, as you'd expect. Uh, Michael, just just give anyone listening an idea of your background and, and maybe a relationship with sport and Liverpool. Well, I, I grew up football silly, but sort of American football silly from an early age. Always loved sports. Worked for about 10 years as a music critic and then a film critic. And in my 30s, left to write books. And all my books have been about sports. Um, most of them were about American football. When I met Neil the first time, I was researching a Liverpool book. I've been a Liverpool supporter since the, since the late 90s and was just fascinated with the club story. But the book that I wanted to write at that time was going to take a long time to write and be very expensive, and it, it didn't work out. And so I had sort of given up on that when I heard from Neil about this other idea of us just writing letters to each other across 5,000 miles in an ocean and following following the course of a season. And that seemed irresistible. And yes, he's right, I'm not very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a, a beautifully romantic notion, Neil, the, the two of you on either side of the Atlantic. Um, ju- just tell us why it's taken so long, perhaps. People will think, well, look, we, you know, we lifted this title a long time ago. Yeah, we so initially we had when the COVID interruption happens, and the COVID interruption is a really important period in the book. We we talked about effectively 
rushing it and packaging it because if we're all honest when when the covid thing hits liverpool are one win away from being champions but what we sort of concluded on that was there would be a rush of those books and that being in amongst that wasn't really something we we wanted to do um and we also wanted to take stock of covid as it happened there's some lovely sections written uh, in there around that michael talks about the cessation of play the idea that not just that these professional games cease to exist but playgrounds and sports fields uh, public spaces suddenly empty of people enjoying themselves and loving the experience of playing games and that's in the book and we wanted to capture that and then we decided to go having decided not to rush out what we thought was well no we can really take our time find a way to do it really quite thoroughly to go back in and and and, and get the best bits of the text because it's not every word that we ever sent to each other all the way through because it would be enough for three volumes that but instead to guide the story through and then capture the moment when when fans are beginning to get back into stadia and create create a little bit more of essentially a bit more of a historical document than just an immediate reaction and that's what we wanted and, and the documentation is massively of the season and what we think and feel and you get to see that in real time michael wasn't as confident as i was at the start of the season wasn't as certain that you know that it'd be a really high points total as I thought it would be uh, but trust me I get a lot of other things wrong as the season wears on in there as well and you get to see those mistakes but what you're getting is a real time sort of realisation and going back into it genuinely one of the things that I've actually found a little bit frustrating about general Liverpool discourse is this sort of complacency that that league title was in some way shape or form always inevitable when you're going week by week and and rewriting this text and, and editing this text, I was like, no one thought the week we go to Sheffield United and we get a spawny 1-0 that we're going to end up winning this by March. No one thought that that was going to be the case. Everyone lived and breathed every kick. And it was really interesting to do that. So I think there's so much in it for people as both a, a reactive document, but also one which I, I think genuinely sort of depicts this time now with this bit of distance where you get to go, oh yeah, I don't remember what that was like. Yeah, that was really strange. This came from nowhere that win at Leicester at home felt unbelievably significant at the time all of this you get it now through the book and I think it's better for having the extra effectively sort of 18 months to breathe Michael as someone who clearly is very passionate about Liverpool and obviously following it so closely it's interesting your connection with with Neil and obviously Neil's at the game all the time do you from such a far distance away sometimes have a different perception of how you know, something is going in terms of, say, that season. So, for example, Neil said you didn't have the confidence that perhaps he did at the beginning. Well, he was, he sees things I don't. There are certain, there are certain things that become more obvious from a distance, certainly more obvious from, from watching games on TV than sometimes Neil gets in the stands. Um, the dust up early in the season between Mo Salah and Sadio Mane um, when Sadio was being subbed off. It was, it was so obvious and so glaring and it felt like we were witnessing some, some critical moment in a soap opera. And Neil, in the stadium, it was something Neil hadn't even noticed until he went to, to record it later. So there is that sense of, of experiencing this same thing on completely different levels. But also there is there are more distractions if you're at Anfield, you're, you're hearing the crowd, you're dealing with getting in and out. At the pub, 5,000 miles away, you're dealing with fair weather fans. You might be dealing with um, any number of, of 
American viewpoints that are um, ill ill considered. <laughs> He's trying to be polite. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that Neil and I spoke about about the the change of being supporters in an internet age is the people who piss me off most are not Man U fans. They're not Evertonians. They're not Man City supporters. The people that just do me in are the fair weather, knee jerk portion of the Liverpool audience who, you know, you draw with Brentford and it's FSG out. That's the stuff that that, um, drives me crazy. Well, I think you partnered up with the right guy because Neil, if from anyone I know, is not the knee-jerk sort of person. And he's he's also quite welcoming on all these sorts of things. Really interesting what Michael was just saying then about that dust-up between Mo and and, and Sadio. Because do you know what, Neil? I almost erased that from my mind. It's it, it, it's almost not in that history of that league season for me. Yeah, I think there's, there's lots of bits of this, especially the autumn, which we we've sort of forgot while simultaneously that's when the league was won. You know, there the, the, the really is this. Normally, you remember the key moments and in, in, in a really strange way, I think, in people's psyche, in a, you know, like if you immediately place when does Salah score the goal against Manchester United? Because what we're used to from football seasons, it's sort of April, but it's not. It's in January. It's actually in mid-January. It's not even at the end of January. The way that season goes, a lot of the stuff that we, we, we've we grown up and literally grown up in all sports, not just in, in, in soccer, but in all sports that have a season. You know, so you can use the NFL comparison, uh, you can use the football comparison, but you can use any sport that you care to mention that starts on one date and ends on the other. Normally, the key games come in the second half of that, and the first half's all build up. In this campaign, everything is in the first half of that season. Everything that matters, you know, the effectively for me, if they ha- I in the book I write in the letter I sent to Michael coming out against Leicester, they are at home coming out against Leicester at home. They are now favourites for this title. More, I phrase it even stronger than that, this title is now theirs to lose. At that point, I think they'd won every game. That's before they go to Manchester United and draw. At that point, they've won every game. And at that point, in order for City, and I'm only really talking about City, for City to catch them, there's a lot of things that have got to go really much in City's favour that haven't looked like doing that for an age. That's a really strange thing. And I think that we've, we end up, as I say, this is part of the reason why I think there's, there's been a growing complacency that this league was always going to be won by Liverpool. Because all the big matches, you know, Leicester, it's a last minute penalty. She- Sheffield United, it's about 70 minutes when the goalkeeper makes the error. There's the Aston Villa late winner that people do remember and do log in their minds because it's immediately before the City game. But there's other games through there. And by the time they get back from Qatar, one of the things to remember was everyone was terrified about them going to Qatar because everyone thought they'd come back exhausted, unable to play football, and then they decimate Leicester. And everyone goes, oh, no, it's all fine again. Don't worry at all. And all of this, all of this, these were huge and legitimate concerns that people had. People kept saying they can't keep winning by one goal. And Michael writes that in the book, and I write that in the book, and it's in the book over over exchange, and saying they can't keep winning by one goal. But guess what they could? And in fact, what they started to do was not just stop. When they stopped winning by one goal, it was because they started to win by more than one goal, and it, it didn't go the other way. But at that time, it felt like you were in the mid, you were on this seesaw all the way through until it just becomes crystal clear when they come back against Leicester for the vast in the, in the away game on Boxing Day for the vast majority of people that this thing is going to go the, the way we want it to go. And then 20 days later, there's the Salah goal. And all of this is compressed, and it's become really strange. And the other reason why it's difficult to log the time in people's minds is in part because it's bookended this by the 
the 18-19 season and the win in Madrid on the one hand and COVID on the other. So all of our hooks for time are really weird. 18-19 and 19-20 almost feels like one big season in people's minds to an extent. That stops in the March of 2020 and then there's these really weird games that get played in front of no one that no one thought would happen for a period of time. And let me add, um, Neil's pointed this out, so much uncertainty after the game stopped. So much talk about, is it going to be null and void? Do we play part of the rest of the season? Do we play the whole rest of the season? And it's it's also, there was this kind of existential um, period where everything stops and anybody who spends a significant amount of time in their week following a, a team, a club, a sport, suddenly has to ask themselves, okay, now that this is gone, why do I do this? I wrote to Neil at one point in April of 2020 that we were experiencing the first gameless month of our lives. That never before, through wars, recessions, all sorts of problems, never before in our lifetimes had there been a month where there was absolutely no sports. But that's what we were going through. And, and to be so close to have waited so long and to be so close and then face the prospect of somebody somewhere might just say, yeah, let's let's go start again in August was nearly unbearable. Some of those games that Neil mentions in the first half of the season were tension filled, but there was also a great deal of tension around that period in April where everything stopped. Yeah, because there was two months without anything. And actually I said it, I said it right at the very top. I think when people talk about this in 10, 15, 20 years' time, it'll be treated with far more shock than perhaps we're treating it with now because it was it was such a normality. It was something that as humans, Neil, we just, we just got on with. Yeah, the, we, we did sort of get on with, but there was, there was the, the, what we, the what are we doing with ourselves aspect of this, as Michael says. You know, there's a really strange, literally, what are we filling this time with? And everything just sort of dipped, you know, for people who don't. Uh, and we, you know, we write about this in the book. The, the, you, you suddenly get an insight into people who don't obsess over sport. And I would say especially football, the way in which we do, what their lives must be like. And, and, and trust me, it's not a world I want to go back to. It's, you know, the, the, the being that those lack of hooks, both for your sort of social engagement, but also just the rhythms of a week. One of the strange things still about COVID and about the period that we've lived through in terms of lockdowns and hopefully please do not come back is I can never tell when things happened. Because sadly, and you can judge me for this, but I literally link events in my life around effectively what Liverpool were up to at the time. It's one of the things that we do. You know, we, you, the, the, it's a time-based hook. <clears throat> one of the things I know best about the day, genuinely, and this is a strange thing to say, but me, me, me dad's dad, my grandfather passed away. I remember it because the following day, there was, um, there was, the, there was an away game at Middlesbrough, and it's one of the ones where uh, it cost us the title because uh, there, there was ice on the ball. 
And I literally like remember when that happened in my life because of that game the next day when and I went to it with my uncle, my dad's brother, because me 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 um me me granddad's um wife insisted we went. We had to go. We didn't want to go. We went out of she we went because she said you have to go because because he'd want you to go. And we went and we had this thoroughly miserable day and Liverpool got beat and the weather was awful and, and we went and we made the best of it as we could. That moment is literally soundtracked really for want of a better word by that football match and what COVID did was it went you know all those things that you use as a the memoir all those things that help you remember what your life is and where it's up to gone gone we're now in this absolute limbo and that still remains I would argue and it's it's one of the reasons why I find whatever any other football supporters talk about putting an asterisk next to Liverpool's title win berserk when they don't want to put it next to their own uh, in 2020-2021 like I genuinely when I talk about normally, and you know me, Steve, we've been talking about football for years. If I was to say Liverpool lost six consecutive home games, and it was certainly within you know within the previous twelve months, I could name the six teams, and I could probably tell you the six score lines. I just know that we lost six games last between January and February last year. I've got no I'd, one of them was definitely against City, and the Burnley one was on my birthday, so that's linked. I haven't got a clue about the others. They're like these things that I know the thing happened. The fact of the thing isn't in dispute, but because I wasn't present and because there wasn't a thing leading up to it and a thing coming out of it it's like completely floppy time and this is where we've ended up and that's what COVID did and it's what it does in amongst that season and I think it's also another reason why that season is really skewed Liverpool before they get beat by Watford in February at the end of February in the previous 38 league games Liverpool have played they've won 36 drawn one and lost one that is like that is a pinnacle of league fo- top flight football that has never been reached before and will never be reached since it never gets mentioned it's mad that it happens but it never gets mentioned and one of the reasons why is the covid interruption let's go to some moments of the season then so a couple have been mentioned and I'll I'll throw this at Michael so obviously the the Leicester game, end of December, very significant. All Liverpool fans remember it. And then, of course, Mo Salah's moment against Manchester United. If you were going to go to one of those two that, that gave you the most supreme belief, Michael, what was it? It was Mo Salah's goal against Man U when he pulled his shirt off. And we all thought, damn, Mo is cut. Mo is got the six-pack going. Um, but... For me, it was it was a moment indelible, but also in stereo, because I I watched that moment from a parking lot a couple blocks away from Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, where the American football team of my youth, the Kansas City Chiefs, were getting ready to play a game that would allow them to return to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 seasons. And so I'd flown into KC that morning met a buddy of mine at the pub in Kansas City where the Liverpool supporters meet and watched the first half and the beginning of the second half there and then watched the rest of it on my iPhone as we were driving to Arrowhead Stadium. And it was just, it, it was this moment of immense gravity in stereo. And uh, by the end of that day, after Man U had won and, and the Anfield crowd sang, we're going to win the league, I went into Arrowhead Stadium and the, and the Chiefs won to return to the Super Bowl. And I, I cried a couple times that day because it was just, it was all, 
it was all so great. And so for me, um, there were these two weights of decades that came to an end during the same season, just by providence. It was uh, that's it amazing. Was so you two it was a good sports season. Two emotional parallels, really, because I, I yeah. can't associate with that, and and a lot of people wouldn't. They would have they would invest all their energy into one team, Michael. And and that was the way it was. But you know, when I started following Liverpool, uh, I've got a dear friend Rob who was following from earlier in the nineties. Was back in back in the Fowler is God days had had gotten on board and used to listen to games on shortwave radio because that was the only way you could get games in the U.S. Um, but as I got more and more steeped in the culture of the sport, but also the club, it just grew on me. And you know, you can love two children equally. So it, it's the it's the same with with clubs. Um. We, uh, sorry, I should apologise. I've even said the name of this book. It's called Red Letters for, for an obvious... We're 20 minutes in. I was so absorbed by the conversation here. Red Letters. Is it ob- an obvious reason, isn't it, Neil? You're writing letters to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we don't need to worry too much about that. I think I think what one of the... And, you know, we, trust me, I'll be talking enough about the book. People will find it uh, when it's available and out. The just on you know again on that michael there you know you you asked michael about those two games but one of the, again one of the things that you you forget and you overlook the the 8 days before we play we play that United game that felt so momentous. We go to Tottenham and win 1-0 in a pretty tight game and Firmino scores. The game after that United game were 1-1 at Wolves and I'm in Molyneux having a panic attack effectively, which in hindsight now seems insane. But the game was so stressful against Wolves, having been the better side and gone 1-0 up. And I'd have just took 1-1 and got out. And then Firmino scores then to make it 2-1. And a lot of the sort of the post-season commentary or certainly post-COVID commentary was that Firmino had had a bad campaign, that he wasn't scoring enough goals. But again, going back through the book and, and, and going through it is from an editing point of view, you're suddenly aware that there's a long list of really quite significant Roberto Firmino goals. He doesn't get as many as we'd like and he doesn't get as many as he'd like, but there's a list of these goals that he's popping up with over the season that are just deciders and that all of them amount to this hole uh, that, you know, come the end of the campaign or more accurately the sort of what would normally be the middle of the campaign are absolutely absolutely huge and significant so yeah every single match felt and the, the one of the things I sort of take and still take from the season in, in a weird way is there's a thing that football teams have always said and football players have always said and football managers have always said it's 38 cup finals and no team has ever played a season like it's 38 cup finals until Liverpool did that year when they probably got to about the you know they play they play Norwich uh, after the mad winter break and it's the 42nd game they have across the course of the season that's game 42 and at that point they probably have played 42 cup finals and then it begins to because you just can't keep that up in quite the same way but they literally treated it like every single football match was a cup final and no one's ever managed to do that. And that, again, it's something that we sort of lose because of COVID, because just simply you you fall out of that moment because they win the thing so emphatically, you decide they were always going to. And and that just, you know, that just is not true. There's a reason why Klopp and especially Henderson on the night when it's confirmed they've won it, 
go into deep emotional responses. You know, Henderson is whatever the whatever a really positive version of inconsolable is. He's not inconsolably sad. He's inconsolably happy. He's almost in a sense inconsolably relieved. He's overcome. And the reason why is because they had done the thing that, as I say, everyone pays lip service to. Every manager will say it's 38 cup finals this league this season, whether they're at the bottom of the table or at the top of the table. That was to what it was to watch a team literally live the value of it's 38 cup finals and keep winning the cup finals. And then, as I say, when you get that night where Henderson is crying on television and Klopp's upset, it's a really strange thing to think about because in the back of all of our minds at that point, I just won it ages ago, lads. Don't worry about it. But they they were so in that space they couldn't escape it and this book whether you like this or not I suppose in the sense if people want to buy it it takes you back into that that that's what it was like that it was not an inevitability and that it wasn't a cruise that it was 38 moments of or until they'd won it moments of absolute graft and let me add let me add one thing to what Neil said about the uncertainty on the part of the supporters you have, to, you have to put the glorious procession in the context of all the times Liverpool had fallen short and all the time supporters had had their hearts broken. There was a moment, I, I wrote uh, to Neil about it in the book, where I don't remember what time of, of year it was, but Liverpool were like 14 points clear. And I'm at this writer's dinner and I'm having this one conversation with a couple writers over here, and I hear in my ear these other writers having this conversation, and, and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not watching the Premier League anymore. That, that race is over. And so I, I leave this one conversation and just turn my head and say, the race is not over yet. And, and the guy says, no, it's over. You're 14 points clear. And I pointed out all the times Liverpool had been ahead at Christmas and had not won the league. And I, I turned it around at him and said, if your team was 14 points clear, would you feel like it was over? And they both admitted, no, no, they wouldn't. But that, you know, that anxiety was with us for, <laughs> for many months. So 30 years, 58 days, and Liverpool finally confirmed as Premier League champions. So finally a league title again. But again, strangely in my head, I go back to those images and pictures of the team at Formby Hall gathered in behind this sort of COVID barriered protection area to celebrate. You know, it was the worst kept secret at that point where they, where they were, Neil. Um, and obviously Manchester City beaten 2-1 by Chelsea. And that gives Liverpool the title. How, how sort of prevalent is that in your head, those images of those players receiving that information and that knowledge of history at that time? I think in the end, it's the best way they could have won it. So not lifted it, and we can come back to that, but it's the best way they could have won it in that no Liverpool supporter would have been a Chelsea versus Manchester City anyway. The players may well have chosen to watch it together in a in, in in a group in a group environment somewhere which was sort of away from the public. You know, I think that that, that is that's plausible to to sort of to normal in inverted commas human human behaviour and human history. None of us would have been at Stamford Bridge, and we would all have been watching it on our television sets, and the players would have been would have been on their own, perhaps as a group, uh, but would have been separate from us and then won it. I think that is, you know, and then we all go and do our own thing. Now, what we couldn't do was 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 go to town and do all the bars. But in a sense, you know, I went to 
uh, I went and met a few of, of, of the people I've been going to the match with for years after I'd finished doing my Anfield rap work and we set off fireworks on the beach and we, we had a few drinks and we, you know, we, we enjoyed it. they didn't outside. take pictures. They should have taken well, pictures. Well, we'll come back to pictures. Uh, we'll come back to pictures. But, you know, that's that's normal. You know, like, that's not normal, but it was nice and it's actually got sort of a bit of romance. What does remain difficult is still them lifting it. And they don't lift it around people. And I still think I think part of last season's malaise, the thing that kills them on top of the injuries, is that they don't get to do the parade. And that I still think it's something that's not good for the whole fan base, wherever it is in the world. You know, I did some Anfield Rap Live shows in the February before COVID hit in Ireland. And all everyone wanted to talk about wasn't what when do you think they'll win the league? It was what day do you think the parade will be? so that they could start booking flights and hotels. When will the parade be? We, we all want our bit of pavement to watch them come past, and then we all want a big party in Liverpool. And it never happened. And I, I think that that's the loss, much more than the night itself. I think that's the loss, that we never got that shared experience and that shared moment. And looking back on it, that'll always be the one that stings. It will be us not being in the ground when they lift it, but then especially only 50,000 can be in the ground when they lift it. But anyone can go and find a bit of pavement in Liverpool and see them lifting it on a bus as it drives past. Yeah, and, and going back to sort of your dual love, Michael, of um, the Kansas City Chiefs as well, is it is it quite is it hard or easy to sort of relate to what Neil's saying there? That you know, not being able to celebrate that moment with something that you're so passionate about in life. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely that. I, I think for me, being five thousand miles away, there was just immense joy in seeing the lads together when Chelsea beat City and it's clinched. That was, that was kind of, that's the way we relate to them. We, Hendo's happy. The gaffer's happy. Mo is smiling. Firmino's choppers are on display. Everybody's, everybody's happy. But um, there is this sense where there is this exchange. We saw it after the, the Champions League and, and that parade, there's this amazing exchange between supporters and the club. And it is, it's almost ineffable, but there is something in that adulation where the athletes see the full scale of what they've accomplished. They see the evidence of the literally millions of lives touched. And supporters who are so good at grousing and showing up late and complaining about how much the ale costs and all these things have that moment where they can try to, through constant hours long applause and yelling, try to show some measure of appreciation for the joy that has been brought to their life. And that's what you miss with no parade. In Kansas City, uh, after the Chiefs won, there was a parade and there were these great scenes of, of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and somebody throws a beer and and Mahomes shotguns it and it was just this this wonderful love fest in in like sub freezing weather that that still hundreds of thousands of people came out for it. and I wish that that Liverpool could have had that that second parade and I know what Jurgen has said we'll have it at some point and and that'll be great but wish it could have been then absolutely what do you mean Mahomes shotgunned it is that like down in one yeah. <laughs> One touch. <laughs> 
We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Look, before we did this podcast, um, you just wrote a couple of things down. And one of them you actually said, Neil, was that it, you had no photographs. So just explain. Yeah, so we do this thing where this book is about sort of meeting of minds and different supported experiences. And one of the things I really wish we could have put in the book in the end was that genuinely, I think Michael and especially the book's publishers, the University of Nebraska, who've been brilliant all the way through, um, they effectively refuse to believe I have no photographs of me at the match. <laughs> like this went on for the emails going back and forth. There must be photographs. And I think this is, it really was like, you know, there's lots of stuff in the book where we talk about how we, we experience and sport, this sport, but also sports in general differently and different perspectives and all of this sort of stuff. But one of the greatest ones is this. I have literally no, no photograph taken of me in my seat where I sit at Anfield at the match. Like not one for the, the four years I've been in this seat I have not got one for the year of this league winning season I do not have one and genuinely there's like a, there was like a sense of ongoing absolute amazement that this could just not be so this man is being modest or he just doesn't want to give us the photos or anything like this and the reason why is it's in part a lot of it is actually a cost conversation it's the idea that I think a lot of them and especially NFL events in the United States you know Michael could have gone to the Super Bowl but cho- chose not to and one of the reasons why was the expense he went to the game that leads up to the Super Bowl and said and he discusses that in the book that you know you go to something like this and you will always take a picture the idea that the lads who sit behind me at the match, I turn around to Swifty after the game and say, hey, ah, Swifty, just pop, pop us one of these off here with the cop in the background. Just not happening. Uh, would never have happened. And as it's still, so there's a couple of, there's a picture or two of us at Wolves away. I think you're more likely to get one or two at away games. But repeatedly they were saying, but we need some pictures of you at Anfield. And I'm like, we've got none. In the end, me and my wife, Samantha, had to go to Anfield one day and basically stand me outside Anfield to take a picture to sate this desire. And it's just a really interesting, fascinating thing. As I say, it would not happen in, uh, firstly, in a more, it might also be because I have some old fashioned ways, despite working in a lot of new media, uh, you know, it, there's an element of that as well, perhaps, but it just would not happen uh, in a, on a regularish basis. And yeah, that was, that was one of the, one of the tensions post book was, was different people emailing me to say, can you please send us these pictures and me having to go, there are no pictures. Pretty please, with sugar on top. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't surprise me one bit knowing Neil that there was no picture of him. <laughs> no um, pictures. No, we're going to finish this this conversation with with a notion or an idea of were you fulfilled G- given that the season was interrupted in the way that it was, Michael, and given that the fans never got that moment. 
how, how much of a percentage were you in terms of being fulfilled by what happened, but actually wanting more now from it? Well, you always want more. That's the nature of sports. If you, if you win something, you want to win it again. But I was fulfilled in stereo because the thing that if you really love a club, the thing that occurs when you reach a certain age, and it's been decades since your club has won, is that, you know, it might not ever happen. And I'd had that thought in 13, 14, after the slip, because I saw what was happening and that Man City and Chelsea were going to be able to money whip the competition. And I, I had years where I thought that that might have been our chance right there and we might not get it back. But um, as is well known, Jurgen Klopp restored belief not only among the players, but among the supporters. And so to finally say we've got that done and dusted was supremely satisfying. Would the circumstances have been better if there was a parade? Hell yes. But as a fan, it was, it was clearly the most enjoyable season of my life and also truly the weirdest. Yeah, that, that, that but also I was at Leicester away. And everyone who was at Leicester away in the Liverpool end walked out knowing they had just watched the champions. It, we, mm-hmm. The last 10 minutes in the ground of Leicester away might as well have, like they could have just got a little bus and just done it there and then. There was, and, and that's how you win league titles. I think we, in our heads, I think for a while, Steve, and you and I talking again for years about this, we probably all in our heads thought if we ever do this, it's going to be akin to the Aguero Manchester City thing. It's going to come down to one of them. It's going to all go to that. Whereas in truth, that's what Liverpool, Liverpool took that out of the equation. They took it all out of the equation. You know, we, we had our moment the night that, you know, wherever we were, in the world supporting Liverpool the night when, when Salah takes his top off after making it 2-0 against Manchester United any of us who support Liverpool anywhere in the world that was that was one of our moments but there were other ones I've mentioned the Wolves game you know the, you, you can you can repeatedly go and there was that one and there was this one and we got them the one thing we didn't get the only thing we miss out on is is is, is being in the ground when the trophies lifted and the parade everything else you got because when Covid does interrupt it they are one win away they're one set of circumstances away that's what they are away from doing it. And that to me is, you know, we got all of that and we got to we got to enjoy it and we got to run down the hill with them and we got to go through all those really, really tense moments. We got what we wanted, we got what we came for. And I think that that, that, that is worth remembering. Would we, you know, obviously this season as it wears on, there's an opportunity to do it again and for those most of most of the players to be the same players. And if they could do that and then we all get the big party where again wherever we are in the world, then we can all have the big party together, hopefully, if they do it again. And then we get to all have the big party together and we can make sure we, the big party is so good it counts for two. Michael, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us from uh, from Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been a joy. Wonderful to hear your thoughts. Neil, as always, superb. Thank you. Um, And Red Letters is out when, Neil? Early November. Early November. So um, the guy's obviously writing the definitive and a completely unique take, obviously, on Liverpool's 19th league title after that 30-year wait. I hope you've enjoyed this Red Agenda Extra. And, of course, the Red Agenda will be back after the weekend. (laughs) 